Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, August 9th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Re, and it means see. Deuteronomy 14, 1-15 You are children of Hashem your God. You shall not gash yourselves or shave the front of your heads because of the dead. For you are a people consecrated to Hashem your God. Hashem your God chose you from all among all other peoples on earth to be his treasured people. You shall not eat anything abhorrent. These are the animals that you may eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, the mountain sheep and any other animal that has true hoofs, which are cleft in two and brings up the cud. Such you may eat, but the following, which do bring up the cud, or have true hoofs, which are cleft through, you may not eat, the camel, the hare, and the daemon, for although they bring up the cud, they have no true hoofs. They are unclean for you. Also the swine, for although it has true hoofs, it does not bring up the cud. It is unclean for you. You shall not eat of their flesh, or touch their carcasses. These you may eat of all that live in the water. You may eat anything that has fins and scales, but you may not eat anything that has no fins or scales. It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean bird. The following you may not eat, the eagle, the vulture, and the black vulture, the kite, the falcon, and the buzzard of any variety, every variety of raven, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, and the hawk of any variety. Ezra 
I proclaimed a fast there by the Ahava River to afflict ourselves before our God, to beseech Him for a smooth journey for us, and for our children, and for all our possessions. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us against any enemy on the way, since we had told the king, The benevolent care of our God is for all who seek him, while his fierce anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he responded to our plea. Then I selected twelve of the chiefs of the Kohanim, namely Sherebiah and Hashabiah, with ten of their brothers, and I weighed out to them the silver, the gold, and the vessels, the contribution to the house of our God which the king, his counselors, and officers, and all Israel who were present had made. I entrusted to their safekeeping the weight of six hundred and fifty talents of silver, one hundred silver vessels of one talent each, one hundred talents of gold, also twenty gold bowls worth one thousand derricks, and two vessels of good shining bronze, as precious as gold. I said to them, You are consecrated to Hashem, and the vessels are consecrated, and the silver and gold are a freewill offering to God of your fathers. Guard them diligently until such time as you weigh them out in the presence of the officers of the Kohanim and the Leviim and the officers of the clans of Israel in Jerusalem in the chambers of the house of Hashem. So the Kohanim and the Leviim received the cargo of silver and gold and vessels by weight to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of our God. We set out for Jerusalem from the Ahava River on the twelfth of the first month. We enjoyed the care of our God who saved us from enemy ambush on the journey. We arrived in Jerusalem and stayed there three days. On the fourth day the silver, gold, and vessels were weighed out in the house of our God into the keeping of Miramoth, son of Uriah the Kohen, with whom was Eleazar, son of Pinchas, Jazavad, son of Yeshua and Noadiah, son of Benui, the Leviim, were with them. Everything accorded to as to number and weight, the entire cargo being recorded at that time. The returning exiles who arrived from captivity made burnt offerings to the God of Israel, twelve bulls for all Israel, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, and twelve he-goats as a purification offering. All this a burnt offering to Hashem. They handed the royal orders to the king's satraps and the governors of the province of beyond the river, who gave support to the people and the house of Hashem. When this was over, the officers approached me, saying, The people of Israel and the Kohanim and Leviim have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land whose abhorrent practices are like those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. They have taken their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed has become intermingled with the peoples of the land. And it is the officers and prefects who have taken the lead in this trespass. When I heard this, I rent my garment and robe, I tore hair out of my head and beard, and I sat 
desolate. Around me gathered all who were concerned over the words of the God of Israel because of the returning exile's trespass, while I sat desolate until the evening offering. At the time of the evening offering, I ended my self-affliction. Still in my torn garment and robe, I got down on my knees and spread out my hands to Hashem, my God. And I said, O oh my God, I am too ashamed and mortified to lift my face to you, O oh my God, for our iniquities are overwhelming and our guilt has grown high as heaven. From the time of our fathers to this very day, we have been deep in guilt. Because of our iniquities, we, our kings, and our kohanim have been handed over to foreign kings, to the sword, to captivity, to pillage, and to humiliation, as is now the case. But now, for a short while, there has been a reprieve from Hashem our God, who has granted us a surviving remnant and given us a stake in His holy place. Our God has restored the luster to our eyes and furnished us with a little sustenance in our bondage. For bondsmen we are, though even in our bondage Hashem has not forsaken us, but has disposed the king of Persia favorably toward us, to furnish us with sustenance and to raise again the house of our God, repairing its ruins and giving us a hold in Judah and in Jerusalem. Now, what can we say in the face of this, O our God? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you gave us through your servants, the Nevi'im, when you said, The land that you are about to possess is a land unclean through the uncleanness of the peoples of the land, through their abhorrent practices, which they, in their impurity, have filled it from one end to the other. Now then, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons, or let their daughters marry your sons. Do nothing for their well-being or advantage. Then you will be strong and enjoy the bounty of the land and bequeath it to your children forever. After all that has happened to us because of our evil deeds and our deep guilt, though you, our God, have been forbearing, punishing us less than our iniquity deserves, in that you have granted us such a remnant as this, shall we once again violate your commandments by intermarrying with these peoples who follow such abhorrent practices. Will you not rage against us till we are destroyed without remnant or survivor? Hashem, God of Israel, you are benevolent, for we have survived as a remnant, as is now the case. We stand before you in all our guilt, for we cannot face you on this account. First Corinthians 5, 1-13 It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. 
In the name of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, when you are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Yeshua. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? But them that are without God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Psalm 31, 1-8 In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, for a house of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large room. Proverbs 21, 1 and 2 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it whichever way he wills. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Ezra chapter 8 and 9, and we're going to get into a really complex and difficult and sensitive subject here. So what is the situation? The exiles from Babylon, the Jewish people, Judah, have come back and are now in the process of rebuilding the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem. But a terrible situation has arisen. 
And in chapter 9, verse 1 of Ezra, it says, The people of Israel and the Kohanim and Leviim have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land, whose abhorrent practices are like those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. What were those abhorrent practices? They would do infanticide and take a newborn baby and sacrifice the baby to the god of Molech and literally raise it up the ramp, bring it to the base of the statue and roll the baby into the blazing fire that was burning at the base of the statue and burn the baby alive. They would have temple prostitutes and commit all kinds of sexual immorality with these temple prostitutes. They would go to Asherah trees and worship um, Asherah and Molech and Baal and all these false gods. They would do uh, transgenderism. was back then in that time that some of the temple prostitutes of Asherah, she would have uh, male eunuchs that have basically done uh, mutilation, self-mutilation, so that they're more like a female instead of a male. Um, verse 2 goes on to say, They have taken their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed has become intermingled with the peoples of the land, and it is the officers and prefects who have taken the lead in this trespass. So basically, we see this mixture And that whole principle of mixture goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We have two trees, the tree of life, and that tree represents the Torah. The Torah is the tree of life. The leaves of the tree are the Torah scroll. It's It's the word of God, which brings life. And then we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's all about mixture. When you intermingle, when you mix things up, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. It's a little bit like having a piece of chocolate cake in front of you, a rich, decadent chocolate cake with chocolate frosting, but somewhere in that cake is a little tiny capsule of rat poison. And you don't know exactly where in that cake the rat poison is. That's the mixture. So... All these people now have intermingled and married wives from the locals. And the problem with that is that these wives lead you astray and you begin to follow after their false gods and do these abominable practices that they're caught up in. And so when Ezra learns of this situation, he is absolutely cut to the heart and he rends his garments and weeps and grieves and mourns and prays. What to do? We're going to find out what he does to solve the problem uh, in the next chapter. I'll give you a little bit of a hint, a sneak preview, when we read in more in chapter 9 and 10 tomorrow. Um, basically, they do a mass divorce, and they put away all these foreign wives that would lead them astray. And, um, you know, it's about the Holy Seed being set apart and not getting um, caught up with 
following after the abominable practices of these people. So where does that leave us today? I have seen really a lot of different situations where folks are unequally yoked. In my own earlier life, when I was married, I was unequally yoked. At the time when I got married, I wasn't a believer myself. I was very young and in the world and had not yet uh, met with Yeshua and, and begun a relationship with him. And so when I did get saved later on, I was in this situation of being unequally yoked. I've seen dear friends, um, women friends, that are unequally yoked. One to a Catholic man, but not a practicing Catholic. Another to a Jehovah Witness, but not a practicing Jehovah Witness. But uh, nevertheless, uh, their husbands are not believers, not born again, not following Yeshua in his ways. And and so what do you do? Um, it's a hard situation, very difficult. It's better not to become unequally yoked in the first place. Or, you know, it's just better to remain single than to become unequally yoked because it's like um, an ox and a horse two totally different animals pulling the same wagon and and they're not going to have the same gait, the same kind of walk, the same, they're just two totally different species. But let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. So he leaves kind of a little bit of an exit clause. If there is physical abuse going on, a woman definitely should depart her husband. She's not to remain and, and take physical abuse. So that's why he says, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce his wife. But, verse 12, to the rest I say, not the Lord say. If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. So what he's basically saying here is, if you are married to an unbeliever and they are pleased to dwell with you, then do not depart from them. Um, they're kind of under your covering. And if you're sanctified, so are they. And, but then it goes on to say in verse 15, But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So if you have an unbelieving partner or spouse, and um, they're addicted to gambling, or they've 
are committing adultery and have an affair going on, and then they decide they don't want to be with you anymore and they divorce you, let them depart. If they're pleased to dwell with you, fine, let them dwell with you. But if uh, their sin leads them down a really bad path and they end up leaving, let them leave. Verse 16, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? So sometimes in an unequally yoked situation, the unbelieving spouse eventually sees the light and they do come to Christ sometimes. Uh, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, so really the best thing is don't become unequally yoked in the first place. Don't get married to someone who is not a believer. Otherwise, you are unequally yoked, and it is a life of sorrow and trial and sadness and grief. There's a whole part of your life, your spiritual life, that you cannot share with your spouse because they're just not there. And and so it's it's suffering and sorrow and grief. It's it's a hard thing to go through, to endure. And uh, what we're going to find tomorrow when we do continue on in our reading in the book of Ezra is that in that special situation, they basically had a mass divorce and the people put away their spouses who are not believers because uh, the Holy Seed is, is to be set apart. And so we are that holy seed. And if we want to have godly children, it starts with a godly mom and dad who, are, who have hearts to follow after the Lord. Although there are no guarantees, children each have their own free will. And they will choose whether they want to walk in the path of faith following after Yeshua, similar to what their mom and dad have done, or not. They have a free will. But you can save yourself a lot of grief if you don't become unequally yoked in the first place. But if you're already married to someone who's not a believer, Paul counsels, stay put. Remain in your marriage as long as they are pleased to dwell with you. And the only exception I would say is if your spouse is physically abusive, get out leave. God has not called you to stay there and be a punching bag or a doormat. Okay, we will continue with this reading from Ezra tomorrow. Blessings and shalom and have a, a great day.
The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.